Welcome to the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsted. Check out nhtalkradio.com to get the back episodes of the show and follow New England, New England Take on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, posting pictures, episodes on demand, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So be sure to check that out. This week, first-time guest, James McKim. He's the president of Manchester, New Hampshire's branch of the NAACP. And we have some very unfortunate things coming out of social media that we're going to talk about. And um, it's horrible just on the face of it. We'll talk about the nuance of it, which we'll probably disagree on that end of it a bit. But I'm excited to have you on to talk about it. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. So, uh, Actually, someone who I met before, everyone knows my full-time job is at the law school here in Concord, and one of our students, Ronell, um, how do you pronounce Ronell's last name? I'm sorry, do you, do you know? Jella. Jella. So uh, she's the co-founder of Black Lives Matter Manchester and uh, came across a social media post by students, uh, a student who attend or attended, past tense at this point, Trinity High School in Manchester. And it, it was just this horrible picture. They, they it says uh, him and his person who's going to take on to homecoming. And his sign says, if I was black, I would be picking cotton, but, while I'm, but I'm white, so I'm picking you for for Hoko. Terrible, terrible. I mean, what was your initial reaction when you saw this go viral, essentially? Well, my, my initial reaction was um, that was a horrible uh, poster to post. Uh, and uh, my next reaction was uh, th- this poor student has no idea what he's stirring up by posting that post. Uh, that was my my next reaction, and then I, I actually felt a little sorry for him, and just thought of the the education system that we have that uh, did not um, teach him that what he posted was offensive, um, and just start thinking about you know what what went wrong with him, and what might have also gone wrong with any number of students who looked at that post and thought, oh, that's funny, without having the sensitivity to understand that it's not really funny. So that's that's the initial thoughts that went through my head when I, when I saw that post. And um, just wanting to know more about what's the situation? Uh, where is Trinity involved in this? I mean, I, I yeah. recognize right off the bat that that was not on a Trinity website, not on a Trinity social media uh, channel. So my thinking there was, okay, so the the school's not really responsible for that in that sense, Um, but this is a Trinity student, so it reflects obviously poorly on Trinity, regardless of where it happened to be posted. Yeah, I guess that's the, the confusing aspect about it. If modern times of social media world is where's the line between your connection of what you do on social media extracurricular outside of school versus on campus in the classroom as someone who's been in higher ed for more than a decade as a staff member the there's this difficult line with like honor codes and such and student handbook requirements of at what point are you reflecting on who you are 
at the school. And I mean, what's the impact, in your opinion, of the fact that this was a, a charter school versus uh, like the city schools? Like, um, like, do you like at this point, at first, it was a very minimal reaction. I don't think anyone was happy with the response that the school gave because he was given like a one day suspension. He was able to continue competing in athletics and such, which was just laughable. I don't necessarily agree with the, the ultimate decision they took with what to do with them. But uh, dive into what you thought about that. So uh, I just need to clarify a few things. So Trinity High School is one of the 25 schools of the Catholic Diocese of New Hampshire. It's not really a charter school. It's a parochial school in that school district. Um, So it is separate from the public school system. Um, And actually, a number of us spent uh, quite a bit of time with uh, the chief equity officer of the Manchester School District, Tina Philibot, to to deal with the ramifications of this poster and the, the feelings that students of color uh, ha- had when it came out. Um, so uh, being a school that's not part of the public school district, Trinity and the Catholic district um, ha- have to come out with uh, their own per- per- uh, position on this and their own perspective of what they're going to do. Um, I met with uh, the superintendent, uh, Dave Tebow, the principal, uh, Nate Stanton, and uh, both uh, Catholic school district and Trinity administrators on Monday. And what um, I was able to learn is that there is actually quite a bit of misinformation out there about what actually happened. And Call you know, shocked, <laughs> shock, shock, and shock. Shocking oh surprise. no, not on social media. Yes, not on social media, not what's being spread around. Um, and and as you know, being having worked in school administration, there's some things that you can say, and there's some things you cannot say because we're dealing with minor for right. one. Um, we're dealing with privacy issues, uh, privacy laws. So uh, I think the school was quite, uh, uh, quite appropriately. Uh, made the statements that it made to the best of their ability. Um, I did take them a little bit to task in terms of transparency, uh, where they they said what they felt they could say, but they didn't say why they couldn't say more. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that causes confusion. Been, that that's what caused the confusion. I think it would have been, been it might have um, um, warded off some of. Uh, this 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 um, sense of the school didn't do enough or didn't do anything, um, but I, I also get that there is this fine balance, as you you said. You know, it, it, the, the school is trying to figure out what it can say versus what it should say versus what it wants to say. And I can tell you from the conversation I had, they wanted to say more. They did want to be really really transparent, but their hands were tied on this. So one of the bits of information that is incorrect is that he received a one-day suspension. That is not correct. Oh, okay. Right. Um, uh, Another bit of misinformation is that he was not allowed to play sports by the school. That is also misinformation. Um, 
because of privacy issues, I can't say exactly what happened. I need to leave that up to the school and the district to come out and say that, which I, I encourage them to do. Yeah. Um, but again, to the best of their ability, given that we're dealing with a minor and we're dealing with privacy issues. Um, what I what I will say is that um, the school is being unfairly characterized in its handling of the situation. Um, the school board actually was the, the, the Trinity School Board was actually meeting on Thursday when they heard of this news. And the principal came out of the meeting and began dealing with the situation. And that's about as much as I, I probably can say, <laughs> because, again, I want this to really come out. I want everything to come out from the school itself and stop this people guessing. Yeah. Um, I, I do know that that many the perception of what happened many of this this came from students themselves who said oh he was expelled right they did not know the whole truth of the situation either they were speculating and many people are taking the fact that those are students in the school as if they know what's going on mm -hmm. behind the doors of, of the administrative offices and that's not a good assumption to make yeah, that that that's terribly unfortunate. So that basically makes me question like all the things I was reading, even from fairly reliable journalists on the situation, which is extremely unfortunate. But it's also to to um, to defend the journalists on their end of things. They're kind of up a creek when it comes to this because once again, it, it's it's minors involved in the situation, and the reason why there's been like another. It, it, another thing that kind of pops in my head is a lot of the confusion around some of the uh, sexual misconduct over at St. Paul's school where mm -hmm. there was on, only so many things they could really put out there when it's only minors involved. They yes. it, it's, it's school. It's a little different there because they're living on campus. Obviously, it's a different situation. But still, they're under 18. They, they don't. They, there's legal obligations that they have, and they can get in some pretty big trouble with the government if they start releasing things that they're not supposed to. Right, right. So I, I get the calls for information from the school, more information. I get the, I understand the calls for, well, why didn't you do more? But I, I think we need to be a bit restrained in our assumptions of what's happened and our conclusions as to what should or should not have been done until we have all the facts. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have all the facts, we need to admit we don't have all the facts. We didn't hear it straight from the administration. So this this filling of the gaps <laughs> that we all we all want to do, right? Yeah. We all want to to say, well, it must have been this or it must have been that. Well, that's our assumptions based on our own biases. And that's where we get into trouble. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess we just said don't make assumptions in anything, but I mean it's out there at this point. It's part of the public discourse, so why not have a discussion right. around what the discourse around this is for, from our perspective? The, the meta conversation. Is exactly, because I, I mean for me, like you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier on, it, you know, a little bit of your opinion on it, but I, I'm very conflicted when it comes to this as, as someone who, who enjoys 
what a lot of people would consider terrible comedy. First of all, I'm going to all right, say what he said was horrible, and there's no excuse for what he said. Right. If I was his, his parent, everything would have been disconnected that belong, that connected to the Internet for that child, and good luck uh, leaving the house until you go off to college. Uh, start off with that preface because that, right. there, it was terrible, and it was copied from something else he found on the Internet. He wasn't even yes. original in his racism. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> the, but but generally speaking, it's tough with kids. They want the meme term for it is being an edgy boy online. Like they're, I want to say the most outrageous thing to to upset my upset slash make people laugh that may encounter it online, and to, to post um, something that you know is offensive that. In theory, you hope that the people chat know, for the most part, will know that the context for what you're putting in there, you're trying to be obnoxious or something. But the issue is, this this is a kid. You you have your whole life in front of you, and you're uh, putting this out there. It's just a terrible idea, and I'm really conflicted on what a response to this would be from if you're a school, if you're um, – your extracurriculars you might be involved with like do we let this ruin a child's life going forward so what i said in a statement that i put out for us and what i said also to uh, the superintendent and the principal and folks in the room on on uh monday which is holiday of course <laughs> um was that this is a teachable moment. Mm -hmm. This is a teachable moment for all of us. This youth and his girlfriend who was in the post and uh, ostensibly approved to have this thing posted with her in it, they need education more than anything. And uh, in some cultures, when somebody does something and that, that is offensive, that, um, questions the dignity of people the notion of restorative justice comes into play where the whole community gathers around this individual and has a discussion about what this individual will do to rectify the situation to make amends for what he or she has done that is acceptable to the entire community it's a community discussion. We don't do that here in the United States. We have a punitive system in the school systems. We have a punitive system. So, as I said, having this expelling this individual, which did, did not happen, um, would be like sweeping, sweeping the issue under the rug, not dealing with it. Right. And we need to deal with it. We need to deal with this to show how to do this, how to hold up everyone in love, even though we're, we're all rough and raggedy. If, if we, how many of us made stupid decisions when we were that age? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that what, what kills me, like, I understand, I understand why Ronell made this public. It, it, like she, she, she's heard things about the school in the past. 
not impressed with the track record of it. And this was it, it worked. It, it put a spotlight on the school and what's going on there. Hopefully, if there are s- systemic issues in this institution that needs to be fixed because of t- not taking things like this seriously or sweeping things under the rug are brought to light. Like there is a place for that. Absolutely. Uh, and, Absolutely. and if if there is this big issue, and I, I'm not, not even expecting it to be public. Like as long as it's being handled in some way, mm-hmm. that's great. On the other hand of it, we've we, we've as we talked about for the previous ten minutes here is what ended up actually happening, which is very unfortunate. And I I'm I I don't. I mean, maybe because this is a a private institution, that makes sense. If this was a public school, I would uh, I'm not so sure I would agree with you necessarily on whether that's the way to handle it. Because I mean, libertarians for no no secret in this show, individual responsibility. Like your family should take care of it, and the school maybe takes away some things that makes them look bad by having you on the athletic field. Like that's obviously showing that the the school itself supports it. But I, I'm very torn as to the response the school should do. And I think that very much should vary depending on the type of school it is. Yeah, so <laughs> I wish I could say more about what actually happened. I know, I know right? It would be so much easier. <laughs> um, it would be much easier. Um, I, I, I'm so hopeful that the truth of this actually comes out. Mm-hmm. Um because it will will teach so many people so many things. I I I, I commend Renell for posting it. It needed to be posted, mm-hmm. right? That spotlight needed to be shine, shown, shown, shown. <laughs> fast dance, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and it caused discussions to take place that needed to take place, and still need to take place. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I encouraged the superintendent and the principal to do is to create a plan for how to address the discrimination that has, that we've known about in the school, that Rennell talked about and others Mm -hmm. talk about. We know it happened. We know it's happening. And so I'm hoping, I'm hopeful based on the conversation we had and the reaction that I heard from them and I saw from them that and I could see light bulbs going off in their heads as I was talking. Yeah. And they were taking copious notes about what I was saying. Um, and this is this is endemic to so many organizations, not just the school. Uh, I work with organizations every day who don't realize the impact of the discrimination that's going on in their workplaces, the, the microaggressions, the subtle stuff, which adds up to a workplace that is not welcoming but it's that little stuff that that you don't hear about because people don't complain people don't want to complain or sometimes they do complain and they're just not heard yeah and part of that comes down to the culture of different workplaces gonna not every workplace wants to be that way but there are many in many places that do they do want to offer that atmosphere yeah absolutely absolutely so i'm hopeful that the school and the district the 25 schools um, will create a real diversity kind of plan that has actions as to how they're going to improve how complaints of discrimination are actually handled. 
Yeah, it, it's gonna, it's going to be interesting going forward. I I, I do hope a, a press release in the very least comes out in the not too distant future with some sort of messaging around this because uh, Trinity High School does need to do some uh, brand cleanup right now when it comes to the New Hampshire education system and just in general to the New Hampshire uh, community for families because they don't want to miss out uh, in these Catholic schools being able to have students going forward that they want to have part of their community. You also have your own uh, company, I, I guess it is. It, it's, it's what you do also is organiza organizational ignition. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so what my company does is uh, we try to help organizations reach what we call their ignition point. And that is where people, process, and technology are aligned toward achieving organizational goals and objectives. Uh, so we work with organizations to look at their structure, look at their culture, look at their operations, and help them define a pathway to the performance that they want to achieve, whatever that might be. And sometimes People in the organization don't know what that performance is that they want to achieve. They just know they want to make money. They want to do good in the world. So we help them to put some structure underneath uh, those those aspirations. So examples of technology and how that works with it. So examples of technology uh, may have heard this term digital transformation these days. And it's just a fancy term for what we've been doing in the technology world for decades. And I've, I've spent most of my career in the technology world. I've worked for companies like Digital Equipment Corporation, Hewlett Packard, and all we're doing is using technology to automate business processes, to keep records and information, and to help make decisions about how our organizations operate. And that's, so that's the technology piece. Can you give an, ex an example of uh, maybe a company you've worked with and how you worked through the this process with them? Sure. So, um, so technology specifically or organizational performance uh, general, overall, whichever way that represents your your company. It's yeah. So what what we'll do is we will go in and um, do an initial assessment of an organization. We'll ask the leadership questions. We'll ask the board questions. Uh, we'll ask the staff questions. Uh, we'll ask customers or clients questions. Uh, we'll, we'll even um, identify with the leadership who the stakeholders are of the organization. And uh, we do it 360 stakeholders. So it, it includes all of those people we've mentioned, customers, clients, staff, board, sponsors, donors, um, any funding sources. We look 360 at the organization, and we'll do that through one-on-one -on -one interviews. We'll do that through surveys. We'll scour and we'll do what we call an environmental scan uh, to see what their reputation is like in the industry. Uh, we, we look at organizational performance uh, using the uh, international organizational assessment model, which says that performance is really the balance of efficiency, effectiveness, relevance and financial viability. So when we talk to the board, when we talk to the, the staff, when we talk to everyone, it's keeping those four things in mind that we're asking questions. And once we've gathered data, we, we also look at um, any of the policies and procedures that the organization has documented. 
uh, any guidelines that they have that codifies how they're supposed to behave. Uh, we take all that, put it together in a report that says, here's where we think you are, and here are some suggestions as to where we think you could improve and actions you could take. It's fascinating, especially the use of data, because data is like the most important thing, especially deal, talking with so many lawyers over the years. It's like data is the missing piece. And if you don't have the data to match what you're trying to do, then, then it's for naught. You won't be able to make it happen in the end, and you'll have no way to track whether you actually made a change after you've That's went right. into this endeavor. So uh, where can people go if they want to learn more about this? Well, people can visit our website at uh, organizationalignition.com. Uh, we're also um, on um, LinkedIn and on Facebook, and we're on Google, the Google business list, so folks can go there. Um, we are also um, on uh, Instagram at um, Organizational Ignition, and that's where folks can reach us. Awesome. Thank you so much. James McKinn, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, AJ. Have you back on in the future? I think there's a lot more discussions we should have going forward. This there is the certainly is. Definitely. It's the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. Talk to you next week.